Hello, and welcome back to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip the shrink wrap off of our lifestyle and get into the nitty-gritty of polyamory. Uh, I have just been chilling lately. It's weird not having drama to talk about on this podcast. I don't even know how to feel about that. So we're going to continue with our card of the day series. And I took the precaution of shuffling this deck ahead of time so you didn't have to hear the geese flapping their wings noise. We're continuing to use the Tarot Musha deck produced by Los Carabeo. Every time I think about using a different deck, then I just want to use the Tarot Musha again. And the card of the day is... It's the Eight of Wands. Ah. The Eight of Wands is in the same family, if you will, with the Six of Swords and the Chariot. The Eight of Wands, it's like a banana peel. It's it's like the yeet card. It's like, we're out of here. It indicates fairly rapid, decisive movement. It indicates you've made your choices and you are moving on. Let me see if this little booklet here has anything useful to say to us about it, just in case. I think it's interesting how some tarot decks do come with a little a little booklet to help you, and then all the booklets all say different things. It's cool, because it gives you this idea that maybe you could just Make your own decision about it. Hmm? All right, never mind. Looks like my brain's not working this morning. Okay. So let's take our card and think about what this means for us in polyamory. The Eight of Cups is here to talk about The idea of getting the heck out. And it's also here to talk about the idea that you get to make the choices and you get to take the action. I think sometimes we can get into a habit of letting the other person drive the course of the relationship whether or not this is comfortable for us. Somehow we accidentally gave our power away to the other person and then no matter how unhappy we become with the course of the relationship somehow we're just stuck in like a tar pit 
I've seen this happen with multiple close friends and loved ones. And of course, as you probably remember, I have also been there myself. But the Eight of, the eight of Wands is, is here to remind us that that is actually, it is actually a complete illusion. In fact, we always have the power to make those choices and we always have the power to get the hell out or take decisive action of any kind. And that it doesn't have to be about a crisis. Like I had to, I had to go through a conversation with a loved one recently and they were considering ending a relationship with their sweetheart. And it was a dilemma for them because the sweetheart that they were considering breaking up with was in no way a terrible person. They weren't abusive, they weren't mean, they weren't condescending, they weren't withholding affection. Like nothing bad was going on. It just wasn't the right relationship for this person. Their sweetheart was not, was just not putting a sparkle in their eye. Was not making them excited and happy. And I could really see where they're coming from because it kind of seems almost wrong to break up with someone just because they're really boring. But ultimately what I had said to this person was, listen, your sweetheart won't be less boring 30 years from now. And it's not, it's not shallow to not want to be in that relationship. It's really not. Whether or not you're actually interested to hang around your partner is a gigantic quality of life issue. Like gigantic. This is a person you're going to be seeing really, really frequently. And you don't want every time you see this person to just in the back of your head be going, wow, that's three hours of my life I'll never get back. Let alone if you somehow wind up nesting with this person. And you're going to get to enjoy that sensation literally every day. And the Eight of Wands is there to just tell us, yeah, no, you don't have to put up with that. There's no obligation and there's no obstacle. It'll typically, the card will typically depict basically eight long wands of wood flying through the air, usually all in the same direction, all parallel to each other. 
And this particular version, because it's the Tarot Musha, also has uh, a beautiful woman in a Ren Faire-y-looking kind of outfit. Uh, and she's kind of holding up her hands as if to say, Oh my gosh! Uh, which I think is appropriate for the card. Taking decisive action can be very surprising for everyone in our lives and sometimes even for ourselves. We can surprise ourselves. This young woman with her oh my gosh expression also is here to say, not only do you have the freedom, the eight of wands, to make decisive action whenever you so choose. It's also fine to do it, even though you know it's going to be a surprise for the other people in your life. You don't need permission to act. You don't need to write up a white paper and get it approved by a committee. You don't need to take votes. I mean, you could be like Abraham Lincoln and be like, you know, 13 nose, one eye, the eyes have it. You're allowed to make decisions about what you are going to do unilaterally. You are in charge of you and no one else is in charge of you. You may choose, depending on who you are, you may choose to share that authority with someone else and to graciously share with them some of your decision-making power. And that's cool. I'm not opposed to that at all. It, it's beautiful. It's wonderful if you can meet someone and become close to someone who is truly trustworthy in that way. Someone who can genuinely lift some of the burden of being the captain of the ship from your shoulders. Help you feel as if someone's got your back. That's gorgeous. Um, and I'm a big fan of it. But the Eight of Wands is here to say, even if you graciously share some of this responsibility and authority with someone else who lovingly takes that burden on for you, the ultimate decider is still you. Now, in monogamy, this is very important, of course, because in monogamy, the likelihood is much higher that you will have shared a significant portion of your decision-making power with the other person in your relationship. Um, I'm not much of an expert on gay, lesbian, and non-gender binary relationships because I'm so firmly cis-hetero myself. But it's certainly true that within cis-hetero relationships with the more traditional the gendering, 
the more likely it is that both parties have given up an immense amount of decision-making power in a variety of areas of life. And giving up all this decision-making power can engender a tremendous feeling of helplessness. You forget that you ever had that decision-making power. You can't figure out how to get it back, and you feel really stuck. This is less likely to happen in a polyamorous context. But in a polyamorous context, it becomes increasingly important for you to own your own decision-making power. And the more partners you decide to try on, the more important it becomes. You have to be the decider about how the schedule is going to go how your schedule is going to go, how much time you want to give, how much time you have to give, how much time do you need for yourself, how much time is going to be sucked up by work, do you have children, how much time goes to the children, how much time and resources do you have to devote to a partner, and Relatedly, but not directly connected, is how much bullshit are you willing to put up with? There's no such thing as relationships with zero bullshit. Sometimes the bullshit will be very, very small. But there's no such thing as a relationship with no bullshit. And, I mean, the bullshit, again, the bullshit may be real, quotidian, ordinary stuff like a person who habitually has difficulty being on time. Everything else about them is fabulous. You couldn't love them anymore. And you know that they're going to be late, so you just work around that. This is bullshit, but it's small bullshit, and you just you just deal with it. You just work past it. But you get to decide what bullshit you're going to put up with and what you're not. Maybe you're the kind of person who simply cannot tolerate a person being late all the time. And you're going to have words with your partner and explain to them that this is extremely important. And maybe the partner's going to do what you want and maybe they won't. Because, of course, they also get to decide what bullshit they're going to put up with. And... When you go up to them and kindly and lovingly explain to them that it's extremely important to you for them to be on time, they may think to themselves, man, this is some bullshit. And they would be well within their rights to just, you know, draw their own personal eight of wands card and be like, nope. Nope, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that and... I mean, they may peace right out on you. And this is kind of the risk we take when we bring things up to a partner. When we say, okay, I really need you to do this. Is that, of course, they don't have to. But keeping the focus back on ourselves, to turn it around, the same phrase is, you don't have to. You don't have to 
And you shouldn't do it too often anyway. Because on the one hand, it's true that there's no relationship that has a zero bullshit condition. There will always be at least a little bit of bullshit. On the other hand, if you insist on zero bullshit, I don't know how that's going to go for you. I'm not going to conclusively say you're going to wind up alone, but I am going to say you are significantly making your odds worse because even as you insist on zero bullshit in your partners, it's possible that they may just regard you as a higher source of bullshit. Like you could wind up getting eliminated by your own criteria, essentially. So as John would say, we need to give a little grace. But you have to decide what bullshit you can put up with and what you can't. And while you're doing that, you have to firmly keep in the front of your mind the image of those eight wands floating in the air, yeeting away into the distance, because you don't have to put up with anything you don't want to put up with. And when you are in a tightly interconnected web of relationships, it becomes so even more important, not just for your own well-being, but for the well-being of the whole ecosystem, right? If I begin to tolerate a lot of bullshit from, you know, Joe Jabroni, my new boyfriend, Joe Jabroni's bullshit will have an effect on me and it will also have an effect on my other partners and maybe even on my children too Right? Whoever has to hear about this bullshit is going to very soon just be rolling their eyes. Be like, what is wrong with you, Rachel? Joe Jabroni's bullshit is obviously bothering you. Just G- GTFO. Like, get out of there. And it would be the same in reverse, right? If John is, starts dating someone and she's schlepping a lot of bullshit downstream to him. Now, John is very good about not complaining about anything. So it would probably be a while before I actually heard anything about it. But it would still affect me. Because dealing with other people's bullshit is mentally and physically exhausting. Long before I heard a single word about it, I would know very clearly that there was something wrong because I would be able to see it in every inch of John's body. It would show up loud and clear that he was having a problem, that something was draining his energy and making him miserable. Plus, there's the cumulative effect to consider, which is every partner we have, there will be a little bit of bullshit. But the bullshit stacks. So if I have, I don't know, 1% bullshit from partner one and 1% bullshit from partner two, and then maybe 3% bullshit from partner three, now that's 5% bullshit 
I got to deal with all the time. And again, this is fine. Like if you have multiple children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every child is a person that has their own personality and their own bullshit. And you just deal with that bullshit because you are their parent and you love them. And this is part of raising children is they have bullshit and you deal with it. But it's the same with partners. And if you have multiple partners, then you will dealing with multiple instances of bullshit. So if a partner takes up residence in your life, who is slinging a lot more than the ordinary amount of bullshit, this will rapidly cause a degradation in the quality of your life as well as the quality of the lives of the people who are close to you. And you don't have to tolerate it. There is no one in the entire world to whom you owe the duty to accept their bullshit. Not even your own parents, no matter how much you love them, this does not mean they get to make you a receptacle for their bullshit. You don't have to tolerate it. And I think that's basically what I have to say. That's what the Eight of Wands is here to tell us. It's here to tell us that you have the power to make the choice and to yeet the hell out of whatever the hell situation. Uh, I realize now that I'm just, I'm just marking myself as hopelessly old and out of touch because I'm definitely not using the word yeet correctly. And I'm not going to go back and re-record this episode either, so all you kids out there in the dark are just going to have to put up with me being 95 years old. But the bottom line stands. The Eight of Wands is like a stick to hit you over the head. It's there to remind you, wake up. You're the decider. You get to make the choice, and you get to take that action, free and clear. I'm not saying there's no consequences, but the bottom line is you are the captain of the ship. And don't ever forget it. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find my contact information in the show notes. I always look forward to hearing from you. And if you feel like you could use a counseling session, coaching, I'm here. Get in touch. Give you a free session. And I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks, I guess. Thank you very much.